ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. G'day there, my name's Matt Brand. Welcome to the program. The commercial barramundi season has started for 2024, but should there be limits on the amount of barra that the commercial sector can take around the Daly and Roper Rivers? If you can't fish in the areas where a significant portion of the catch was coming from, then we're looking at a situation where that catch has to come from somewhere. Uh, and the only place that they can really come from are places like the Daly River and the Roper River catchments, which are places that are so important to recreational fishing and fishing tourism. Yeah, Afand has raised some concerns following our story yesterday. You'll hear from its chief executive, David Tarovolo, in just a moment. And today, if you're keen to get involved in this year's giant pumpkin competition at the Catherine Show, well, the news is... Now, right now is the time to get your seeds and get them into the ground. I've heard they taste terrible, actually. So it's not even a lot of things at the show, like a judge on appearance taste. There's like a few regulations or rules or stipulations around it. But for the giant pumpkin, it's literally just on weight. So pump that puppy full of fertiliser and get it going. Pump that puppy full of fertiliser. Another big country hour today. Let's get amongst it. Now this week we've been talking a lot about the flooded Victoria Highway which still remains closed between the Buntine Highway intersection and the WA border. This is causing a lot of problems, especially for those living in Timber Creek. Now across the border in the farming town of Kununurra, cotton growers, they're getting ready to start planting. But they haven't been able to access cotton seeds from eastern Australia because that highway is closed. So, what have they done? Well, they've decided to fly the seed across. Tommy Palmer from Cotton Grower Services told Alice Marshall about how the cotton plane was organised. A very stressful afternoon and many a phone calls with our little team, um, our Catherine and Kununurra and Darwin team. Um, so, I spoke to my manager, Pete Cottle, and I was like, we've got to get this over here. ASAP. So a uh, Cessna caravan was organised and took two hours um, because the Air Force were doing, were busy. (laughs) So the plane had to do a different route, but it got here yesterday afternoon and the window opens today when someone puts a seed in the ground. So we could breathe yesterday afternoon. How surreal was that experience going to the airport to pick up your cotton seed? Well, actually, yeah, like the airport's not far from town, so you can hear when the planes are coming in, but I got the message, uh, hooked up my trailer, and the plane was flying in as I was driving into the driveway, and I got directed to the, the tarmac, and, yeah, it felt... Quite unusual. <laughs> so they sent you right out to meet the plane on the tarmac. Yeah, <laughs> and we loaded the seed on there, uh, straight into the trailer from the from the plane. And as you say, the window for planting cotton is just about to open. Tell me, what's it looking like at the moment? Are paddocks dry enough to put cotton in just yet, or will it take a couple of sunny days? 
it depends on the soil type um, and you don't want to be flying in too early um, because you'll get your crusting. I think like it's going to be 40 degrees for the next couple of days. We may get a storm, but it, it, it's not taking long to dry up. There'll be um, there'll be some cotton in the ground, I would say, this afternoon and definitely tomorrow. Wow, so you must have had a few people very happy to see you drive back into town with that trailer full of seed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think um, one in particular nearly had a red carpet to roll out. That's Tommy Palmer from Cotton Grower Services in Kununurra talking about the cotton plane. You are tuned into the Country Hour on ABC Radio. As mentioned, the Victoria Highway remains closed between the Buntine Highway intersection and the WA border, which is a 350-kilometre stretch. It's been closed for almost three weeks, the Vic Highway, because of all of that flooding. But there might be some good news. There might be some good news coming later on this afternoon. To tell us more about this, we're joined now by Shane Tepper, who's from the Department of Infrastructure. Shane, the Vic Highway, what's the latest information you have for us? Uh, yes, so so we do have some good news. Um, so we are currently preparing to to open the road between um, Buntine Highway and Timber Creek. So, look, we expect to be able to open that section of the road later on this afternoon, um, so sort of sometime within the next few hours. Um, look, as soon as that's done, we'll be posting that to the Road Report website. So anyone needing to travel that section of road um, should be checking that over the next few hours. That is really good news. And over the last 24 hours or so, I understand a few special permits have been handed out as well. We're aware of at least one food truck who's got a permit and has been able to get to Timber Creek. So that's been happening as well, yes? Uh, yeah, that's correct. So, which, so we have issued um, some special consents um, to enable you know, essential goods and supplies to get to Timber Creek. When that section of highway reopens, Shane, motorists, what what can they expect? Because I, I, I bet the highway is not in mint condition. Uh, look, yeah, so there'll be a lot of roadworks um, on, ongoing on that particular section. So, look, we've got um, significant seal damage, so loss of seal on certain sections, um, particularly loss of shoulders and shoulder material. Um, so, that, look, you'd expect a lot of roadworks in place and um, traffic control, so... You know, we want motorists to adhere to the, the traffic control measures that are in place. Yeah. And what about the western side of Timber Creek? What's the, the latest understanding on how Timber Creek to Kununurra is looking? Yeah, so we were able to get our um, inspectors to to inspect that section of road between Timber Creek and Western Australia yesterday. Um, so there is a a lot of mud and debris um, with a number of crossings. Um, we've got a, a major scours on approaches to various crossings and, uh, again, some significant loss of seal and shoulder material. Mm. Um, so we will have um, repair crews working throughout the weekend on that particular section. I've been told there's been bad damage around the West Baines Bridge. Does that sound about right? Uh, yes, uh, there are a number of um, bridge approaches that do have you know, significant scours and, and damage, pavement damage. Do you have any timeline on when that section from Timber Creek to the WA border could reopen? 
Uh, look, barring any sort of significant rainfall over the weekend, um, we are expecting that we should be able to reopen the road um, early to mid next week. Okay. Um, so, look, initially it's probably likely to be open to, to light vehicles, um, but you know, within a, a couple of days we should be able to open that up to the heavy vehicles as well. I've got a question here from from our audience, someone out Timber Creek Way. Any chance Dipple could send out a few more stock on road signs? <laughs> uh, yeah, look, that's definitely something we can, we can arrange. Um, look, we have noticed that across a number of our roads that um, you know, where fences have been damaged or stock are trying to seek higher ground, that we have got a lot of wandering stock along our roadsides. So, yeah, we can look at um, erecting some additional warning signs. Really appreciate your time this afternoon. I, f- I feel it's important to point out people shouldn't jump in their cars right now and, and try and drive to Timber Creek, but keep their eyes out on on the government websites and if all goes to plan, maybe later on this afternoon, that road will reopen. Yep. So, so anyway, you can check the road report website for any further updates. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and we look forward to uh, to seeing that green light later on this afternoon. Appreciate it. Yep. Excellent. Thanks very much. That is Shane Tapper, who's from the Department of Infrastructure. So there you go. That's a bit of good news this afternoon. Looks like Catherine to Timber Creek will be open later on this afternoon. Uh, hi, it's Dwayne Klinkamer here on board the Austral Hunter, part of the Northern Prawn Fishery, and we're in the Mooring Basin, or better known as the Duck Pond in Darwin, and you're listening to the Country Hour. Matt Brown with you this afternoon. The commercial barramundi season is underway for 2024. On the show yesterday, we spoke to Cameron Berryman, who is the chair of the NT's Barramundi Licensee Committee, who said the season was shaping up well. Yeah, I mean, plenty of rain, which which is always a good sign, um, although the, we would have liked the rain a little bit earlier, but uh, it's there. So, I mean, weather-wise, the boats are going to struggle to get out um, for the first week, but uh, look, there'll be people down towards the Daly River region, um, obviously a lot of rain down that way, so um, we'll expect some good fishing down that way. Um, some other, other crews will probably head back to the other uh, locations, Roper River, down that sort of way and, and, yeah, see what's producing over there. If all goes to plan in 2024, what sort of tonnage might your industry get in a in a year? Oh, look, look I mean, I, I would hope to see about 350 to 400 tonne uh, come through, but, you know, it's uh, the new harvest strategies in place which uh, make sure we manage the fishery to a high biomass. So fisheries will be uh, monitoring the fishery um, at an intense level and, uh, you know, as long as the, that high biomass remains, um, you know, we've got a healthy fishery. That's Cam Berryman who did want to clarify that 350 to 400 tonne figure is for wild-caught barramundi and threadfin salmon, so across those two species. David Chirovolo is the Chief Executive of the Amateur Fishermen's Association of the NT, and he's posted on social media overnight some concerns about the barra season for 2024, and he's calling for caps on the amount of barra that the commercial sector can take from the daily and roper catchments. 
I had a chat to David a moment ago and asked him to explain those concerns. So the season uh, has begun uh, quite right and our concerns really relate to the contraction of area that's been available for the commercial fishery after the closures that started last year and what that effectively means. Um, you know, we've heard from industry and, and we can use our, our powers of deduction to realise that uh, the Roper River and the Daly River are the two major catchments remaining where the commercial catch can come from. They are areas that are very important for recreational fishing and fishing tourism, and we really want to see those areas protected with stronger rules in place uh, than are part of the harvest strategy that was introduced at the end of last year. Yeah, so as we heard yesterday, commercial fishers still aren't allowed to fish these areas like Mini Mini, Merganella, Buckingham Bay. Why is this of an issue to the rec sector? Well, it, it, it stands to reason that if you can't fish in the areas where a significant portion of the catch was coming from, up to 50% on numbers that have previously been uh, aired, then we're looking at a situation where that catch has to come from somewhere. Uh, and the only place that they can really come from are places like the Daly River and the Roper River catchments, which are places that are so important to recreational fishing and fishing tourism. We need to have interim rules in place that say we don't want to see the catch in those catchments being any higher than it has been on average for the last five years. And then we need to get on with resource sharing in this fishery and come to an agreement and come to arrangements that set a future trajectory for the management of this fishery. Matt, we're three years into a fishery review that was an election commitment. Mm. And all we've been doing is focusing on certainty for the commercial sector the commercial fishery in the Barramundi fishery is a very small part of the way that this resource returns benefits to the community. It is a small value fishery, but it is a high impact fishery that impacts on the environment, but it also impacts on the other fishery sectors like recreational, tourism and traditional fishing. So are you talking about quotas in those areas? I think it's absolutely reasonable to have uh, quotas or at least in the interim uh, catch caps on the weight of fish that can come out of those areas through commercial fishing to recognise the fact that the review that was announced in 2020 has not been done properly. It didn't start with resource sharing. It didn't start with getting the foundations right. We really need to be focusing on the recreational fishing, the tourism fishing, the traditional fishing and all the livelihoods that that supports. And any commercial harvest needs to fit within that paradigm. Uh, you know, I see that as potentially being a high value uh, boutique fishery in the future and focusing on volume is absolutely not what should be happening in this fishery. Do you sit down with the commercial sector and talk about this? Look, at the MAC table, we've had a lot of conversations over it. Mm. I don't expect... the com like We know in the commercial industry there's been a significant investment over recent years, millions of dollars pouring into licences and vessels. I can't comment on why they've made those decisions given the context around this fishery. And it's very hard to expect people to agree that either those decisions are uh, difficult decisions to live with or that we want them to fish less. 
ultimately the government has the responsibility to set a trajectory for this fishery. We do not have a public statement from the government that acknowledges this inshore barramundi fishery is different to a lot of our offshore fisheries. It is primarily recreational fishing tourism and traditional fishing, and they want it to be managed accordingly. The the reason we have these world-class fisheries is because of previous political and policy decisions that took courage to articulate what the government wanted to see. If we just keep leaving things to a process where we expect people to agree, then we're not going to get any agreement and we're going to get situations like has arisen this season. Is 2024 the year where all of the Blue Mud Bay negotiations come to a conclusion? Oh, look, I don't, I don't think that's how we should be looking at it. I think that Blue Mud Bay decision is part of the landscape of fishing in the Northern Territory. Um, it is absolutely essential for recreational fishers, fishing tourism operators and commercial fishing operators to have good relationships with traditional owners uh, and to be embracing that as part of the way that um, our fisheries are managed and access to our fisheries are attained in the Northern Territory. Um, but what that means is we have to do things sustainably. We have to uh, engage. And if we're doing, uh, if we're fishing with practices that we're seeing being phased out in Queensland, uh, being phased out in other parts of the country uh, that are having impact on those other sectors, then it stands to reason that the troubles with access are going to continue into the future for uh, certain parts of the industry. And we've had challenges as well, and we've got work to do, and we're absolutely committed to doing that work, Matt. And just finally, I asked the commercial sector how its season is shaping up. How's the runoff looking for those in the rec sector, Dave? Well, we're always happy when it rains, Matt. Um, and uh, when, when it rains, it's good for two reasons. It, it, it uh, improves the fishing and it also sets us up for seasons ahead. And we've had some really good rains, especially uh, on, that, uh, on that western side, the daily catchment uh, and the Vic catchment, you know, especially looking good. Uh, we've had the Adelaide and the Mary have also uh, really been up there. And, and so there is a, a good runoff on the cards. Um, probably haven't seen as much rain down in the Gulf as uh, as, as uh, we've seen in some other years, uh, and we do know that those fish those fisheries there are a little bit more um, hit and miss and episodic. But overall, uh, people are really excited for a good runoff, and um, we just have to see now whether uh, the runoff is going to start or whether we're going to get a little bit more rain mm. uh, and get another another wet burst. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Matt. David Chirovolo, who's the Chief Executive of the Amateur Fishermen's Association of the NT. The Northern Land Council has confirmed to the Country Hour that traditional owners are continuing their suspension of commercial fishing in the mini-mini Murganella region, Buckingham Bay and Arnhem Bay. And in a statement, the NLC said in 2024, the NLC will continue to consult with traditional owners regarding their sea country. Access for commercial fishers will be subject to the outcomes of those consultations. It says TOs have deep, increasing concerns about the impacts of current commercial fishing practices, particularly gill netting and the impact on barramundi fish stocks that they're seeing in their communities. It says TOs have also raised their fisheries management concerns with the Territory Government and TOs urge the Government to prioritise these issues in its broader management of NT fisheries. If you missed our conversation yesterday with Cam Berryman, that is up 
on our podcast. G'day, it's Jeff Tucker from the Sydney Fish Market and you're listening to The Country Hour. Matt Brown with you this afternoon. If you are just tuning in, then you've missed a lot, including some really good news about the Victoria Highway. So it's been closed for almost three weeks because of severe flooding in the VRD. And for quite a while now, there's been that closed strip between the Buntine Highway intersection and the WA border. But a moment ago, Shane Tepper from the Department of Infrastructure told us this. So we are currently preparing to to open the road between um, Buntine Highway and Timber Creek. So look, we expect to be able to open that section of the road later on this afternoon. Um, so sort of sometime within the next few hours. Yeah, that's good news. So in the next few hours, if all goes to plan, people will be able to drive from Catherine to Timber Creek. That's good stuff. Before 1.30, some tips on how to potentially be this year's champion in Catherine when it comes to growing a giant pumpkin. I've heard they taste terrible actually so it's not even a lot of things at the show like a judge on appearance taste there's like a few regulations or rules or stipulations around it but for the giant pumpkin it's literally just on weight so pump that puppy full of fertilizer and get it going <laughs> let's go to the weather bureau billy lynch is there this afternoon billy have you ever tried growing a giant pumpkin no can't say i have oh, missing out in life mate <laughs> yeah. All yeah. I've succeeded over the years was growing a giant pumpkin vine that flowered and then delivered nothing. So uh, mm. most of the things I grow are by accident by chucking my compost in in the pot plants and then <laughs> yeah. something random grows. Yeah, uh, growing up our family produced some beautiful pumpkins and watermelons out of the compost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, um there's a bit to talk about. There's a bit to talk about this afternoon when it comes to weather. Can we start with the severe weather warning that's in place on the Queensland border? Yeah, that's definitely the most important thing happening today and this weekend. So um, it's all associated with uh, ex-tropical cyclone Kiralee. Um So Mount Isa radar shows it... Uh, Spiring, spiraling around just inland from the coast over northwestern Queensland. Um, it's going to be slow moving today and then forecast to, to move southwards uh, pretty much along or pretty close to the, the Queensland border uh, during Saturday and Sunday. So at the moment, uh, yeah, we've got severe weather warning in place, uh, which is principally for heavy rainfall. But it does also include um, the risk of damaging wind gusts. Um, now, that was issued overnight for the Northern Territory. Uh, we saw some very heavy rainfall just over the border uh, in northwest Queensland. Um, so a place called Westmoreland Station in the Settlement Creek catchment. 332 millimetres in 24 hours. Wow. That's right. And... Um, Although we don't have any rain gauges in that part of the territory. Um, we could assume that Woolagaring <laughs> stations had some rain. I think most definitely they've probably had two to 300 mils of, of rain on that side. Um, yeah, I mean, the best rainfall figure I've got in the last 24 hours is two mils at Nooka, but <laughs> it doesn't really tell the story. Yeah, 
Yeah, I see again on the Queensland side, the airport there on Mornington Islands had 150 millimetres in the 24 hour period. That's right. So, uh, Lawn Hills had about 84. So, yeah, they're big falls right there. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, it's not good news for Western Queensland because it's going to rain over areas where it's already um, been raining pretty heavily. Um, But, yeah, this heavy rain is also expected to uh, fall on the the NT side as well, Um, just those far eastern areas. So, um, yeah, expect that severe weather warning to shift uh, southwards over the weekend. So, So clearing... The, um, the sort of area around Woolagarang probably overnight tonight, mm. but then e- increasing along the, the eastern Barclay District during Saturday and then easing across the Barclay District during Sunday, but increasing across the the far southeast, east of Javoice during Sunday before it then will all shift away from the Territory from about Sunday night. Still, this could be a significant rainfall event for a lot of those cattle stations and communities, remote communities that border that um, Queensland area. So, mm. yeah, absolutely. I mean, we could see yeah more of what we've seen. So we're sort of predicting, you know, one to two hundred, and you know, possibly three hundred millimeters as the system moves through. So, no doubt that's going to have some some impact on um, on the landscape. As some communities could become isolated. Um, no doubt the roads will see some impacts as well. Anything else for the weekend ahead that you feel we should be aware of? Uh, look, I mean, the coastal waters will be fresh and, and you know, choppy. Um, we've got some marine wind warnings for the Gulf of Carpentaria. That'll probably remain until Sunday. Otherwise, in the top end, yeah, look, more of the same, like just very little rainfall, Um expected and then those very hot temperatures continuing across the south with that heat sort of peaking around Sunday Monday where temperatures could hit the the mid 40s at places like Yalara, Papunya um yeah so not a cool change coming through until about Tuesday okay and did i see somewhere the bureau's looking at another low out in the coral sea is that correct Yes, you did, unfortunately. Um, yeah, there's another week low out there at the moment, but uh, at this stage predictions, are, we've got a moderate risk of that developing into a cyclone by around Thursday next week, and it could be moving back towards the North Queensland coast. Gee, North Queensland, having a year. <laughs> That's one word for it, yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon, Thanks, Billy. Mate. Appreciate Thank it. You. Uh, It's Billy Lynch there at the Weather Bureau. And I'll just repeat this severe weather warning that is in place for parts of the Carpentaria and Barclay districts because it's the rainfall figures in particular that just stand out. I'll read from the Bureau's page here now. It says, Heavy rainfall, which may lead to flash flooding, is expected about eastern parts of the Carpentaria today extending to eastern parts of the Barclay during Saturday. Six hourly rainfall totals between 90 and 150 millimetres are likely. 24 hourly totals between 150 and 250 millimetres with isolated falls of 300 millimetres are possible. This is in this stretch along the Queensland border. The next few days could be very interesting for some of those cattle stations. And uh, producer Dan, we better try and get on the phone maybe to Woolagarang. See if they're in their boat or not. 
That's unbelievable, that place just across the border. What did Billy say? 320-odd millimetres. Here it is. Westmoreland Station. It's so close to the border. 332 millimetres in just 24 hours. Yikes. It's 13 past one. This is the Country Hour. Once a month on the program, we'd like to check in to see how aquifer levels are faring in Darwin's rural area. We do this with Adrian Costa, who is the Director of Water Assessment with the Territory Government. Uh, Adrian, we're in February. How are the aquifers looking? Yeah, look, Matt, they're looking pretty good. Um, we've had around about, a, on average, a seven-metre rise right across the Howard groundwater system, and we're probably about one to three metres off peak. So we're looking pretty good as we head into February, and as you know, we'll get a bit of rain in, in Feb and March and maybe in some in April. So uh, we're looking pretty good, but there is a bit of a reminder. Once this stops, then, you know, Darwin typically goes into five to six months of drought. So, uh, you know, that's something we need to be conscious of as we get into those drier uh, season months. No one would be watering the garden at the moment, surely. Oh, I wouldn't have thought so. So, um, <laughs> yeah, everything should be looking pretty green and uh, shouldn't need anything. So, uh, yeah, looking pretty good there. And, I mean, it also goes for Catherine and Tennant Creek. They've had a lot of rain down in those areas too. So, you know, uh, the rain has been quite extensive. Um, you know, Tennant Creek well above average. So, looking yeah. pretty good. So, aquifers are looking healthy. There's there's no areas that you you feel are a bit behind? No, not at all. I think things are looking pretty good when I compare, um, you know, previous seasons, probably not quite as high as the 2021 season, but that was a bumper wet. Um, yeah, things are looking fairly good. Uh, even down in Catherine, we've got the Cambrian limestone aquifer that's on the rise. Um, that generally peaks a little bit later around March. So we're seeing that rise uh, that's looking pretty good and that'll continue to rise as we get a bit more rainfall and, you know, as the uh, storage levels come up. And when do irrigators in Catherine get told about their licences for the year? I forget. Yeah, look, it is um, uh, before the 1st of May. Um, right. However, in recent years, yeah, in recent years, we sort of try to give a little bit more intel. Um, you know, not that that's the official notice, but we do do a climate update or a regional update um, in the back end of the previous year, which... Um, license holders would have received and it's certainly available on our website mm -hmm. and then we'll have an early notice that comes out in february march normally february but sometimes maybe march um where we look at you know our model versus measured comparison of river levels um, we look at the water use um, we look at the rainfall outlook and um, then we sort of give a, a likely indication so mm -hmm. but yeah look that official notice is the first of may so we we give that before the 1st of May, but um, we do have these other uh, pieces of correspondence that um, will help people um, yeah, um, uh, track what they need to do over the dry season. Yeah, well, perhaps that's the next time we'll, uh, we'll hear from you, Adrian, when some of that early correspondence comes out for the farmers. Um, really appreciate Absolutely. your time. Yeah, appreciate your time today, though. Yeah, not a problem, Matt, any time. And, uh, yeah, look forward to uh, yeah, what that early note says, but our modelling at the moment is looking pretty good. My name's Edward out here at the Mount Deer Wilderness Park, just uh, watching the clouds go by, hoping for a bit of rain. And you're listening to the Country Hour. And in some other important water news, I can tell you this afternoon, Darwin River Dam is sitting at 99.20% capacity. So getting extremely close to overflowing. Meanwhile, over in the Kimberley, Lake Argyle, boom! It's overflowing as we go to air this afternoon. And according to the Water Corp over there in the west, Argyle at the moment's got 11,282 gigalitres in it. That's 
hard to wrap your head around, really. 11,282 gigalitres. It's a big body of water and it is overflowing. 17 past one, this is the Country Hour. If you tuned into the program yesterday, you would have heard our big news about the live export industry. It's in limbo at the moment. Everyone in the northern cattle industry is waiting, waiting for Indonesia to issue import permits for 2024. There's been no cattle exported out of Darwin Port yet this year. Not one ship, not one single beast. There's a couple of ships waiting off the NT coast. There's cattle in yards around the top end. Everyone's just waiting. And it's not just the live export trade. Import permits for boxed beef have not been issued either. Queensland livestock agent Tom Kennedy He's based in Charters Towers and says the flooding across the north is sort of masking the impact that this delay is having. Right at the moment, we're, we're enjoying a pretty good wet season or start of a wet season across Queensland. But like any of these trades that we have in Australia, we're a trading country. So, look, any disruption to trade is, is not healthy. So the sooner it's more normal, the better. Would you normally be sending cattle out of Townsville this time of year? Look, in the past, you know, Townsville's port has done 50,000, 60,000 cattle in January. You know, this is a quieter period, um, but it's a it's a trade that's very liquid. You know, it goes up and down and moves from one side of the country to the other. So, you know, people in the north are familiar with that and they roll with it. So do you think that the weather situation is uh, masking it a bit, given I imagine a lot of the cattle that would normally supply the live export market out of Queensland is currently very wet. Yeah, that that is correct. And, you know, that's probably is mask and the problem. But, you know, it's important that we keep good relationships with these countries, you know, Indonesia, Vietnam, etc. Not just for the live export trade, but, you know, we, we sell a lot of box meat into Indonesia, you know, and at the moment they haven't got permits either. So, you know, the... It's just not isolated to this trade, this particular trade. You know, it's it's right across a number of areas that you know we are we are struggling. But I think at the end of the day, you know, they they got their election on the fourteenth of February, I think, and then you know once again, you know, I I hope to see a, a strong and robust Indonesian government in place. How quickly would you like to see these permits issued? Look. If they come out tomorrow, that'd be a welcoming. But you know, under the current legislations with export, you know, live exporters have got to put a shipment plan together for any country, and you know that period is ten days in advance. So you know, we're not going to see anything happen at least for two weeks. You know, have you got access to other markets in the meantime? Like, can you ship to Vietnam? Um, yes, and there there is several ships going to Vietnam. Look, we've got cattle that could move tomorrow, but at the moment they're putting on kilos and we're happy with that, you know. And I think, you know, if you fast forward this and we're in the same predicament come March, April, well then, you know, people would be sweating a bit then. But, you know, we, we want to see the trade happen. You know, we, they've got their Ramadan. We, we just want to see business as usual. And I couldn't imagine there being more than two boatloads of cattle in Darwin ready to go anyway. So it's not as if we're sitting on 80,000 cattle that could go tomorrow. 
I think it's just very important that we respect Indonesia's process on delivering these permits and we sit and wait patiently, um, you know, as it's very important that we keep them as a good trade partner. Mm. They're our closest ally. They're our biggest neighbour. So we need to respect all that, you know. That is Livestock Agent Tom Kennedy speaking to Lydia Burton. If you missed our coverage yesterday about the permit issue with uh, Patrick Underwood, we spoke to him. He's actually in Jakarta at the moment. That's all up on our website right now if you search for NT Country Hour. And in terms of boxed beef, Indonesia imported a record amount from Australia last year. It bought over 68,000 tonnes of beef from Australia, which was up 74% on 2022. And as I said, that makes it the highest on record amount of beef that was sent to Indonesia. So that's become an important market. And at the moment, everyone just waiting for those permits. We're off to Catherine next to get some tips on how to grow that all-important giant pumpkin. K-Town, Catherine, it's all the same to me. And if you're in the Catherine region, now is the time to get your pumpkin seeds in the ground for the Catherine Show's Giant Pumpkin Competition. Last year, local farmer Andrew Symes, he took out the top prize growing a pumpkin that weighed in at 122 kilos. So now's your chance to try and beat that. This year, there's also a competition with the Kununurra Ag Show over who can grow the biggest pumpkin. I like that, a bit of WAVNT rivalry. Catherine Show coordinator Tiffany Davies says giant pumpkins need to be planted right now if you stand a chance of winning in July. I think it's less to do with the time of year and more to do with how long the pumpkin takes to grow. So because they are so big, we um, recommend planting them now or within the next month to be in it, to win it, basically. You have to give your pumpkin a solid few months to actually get to a good, decent size. And so is there a specific, like, um, look that the pumpkin has to have to, to do well and to grow well? Not necessarily. It's more more about weight. Uh, I've heard they taste terrible, actually. So it's not even a lot of things at the show are like a judge on appearance taste. There's like a few regulations or rules or stipulations around it. But for the giant pumpkin, it's literally just on weight. So pump that puppy full of fertilizer and get it going. Um, because, yeah, that's the main factor. And where can we get those seeds from? Yeah, so you can either come pop down to the show office, which is at the AFL Oval, or EMU's Nutrient or Bendigo Bank, um, so three places throughout town where you can go grab some. Is there a specific kind of pumpkin seeds that you Yeah, need? so there's, like a, there's like different varieties of pumpkin, and so these seeds um, are actually from some of the winning pumpkins last year or closely winning pumpkins, so it is like a specific giant pumpkin type. Like if you plant a Japanese pumpkin, it's never going to grow as big as these ones. Um, so, yeah, you can order them online. Just look up giant pumpkin seeds, but they're for free. We yeah, we really love getting anyone involved in entering, so um, yeah, they're free and you're welcome to go grab some to be part of it.
And so who can enter the competition yeah. in, uh, in the Northern Territory? Uh, throughout the Territory, well, anyone really, like within the big rivers region. So we've had pumpkins get driven in 10 hours from cattle stations. Um, so it's not necessarily, it's hard to put a restriction as to who's part of Catherine because the Territory is basically divided into three, like as in Darwin Show, Catherine Show, Alice Show. So if you're Catherine's your town and you want to be part of it, you're more than welcome to pack the horse float and put your pumpkin on in it and drive it in. <laughs> and um, what are some tips that you can give people on how to grow a giant pumpkin? Yeah, so everyone is so interesting speaking to all the different avid pumpkin growers throughout the community. Um, some people take it really, really seriously. My first piece of advice is a good fence. Nothing will stop your pumpkin from winning like the cattle getting in, eating it, or the kangaroos eating your vines. So make sure she's fenced. Um, other tips I've been secret tips so I don't know if I should be giving them away but I will um, is don't overwater it because they easily rot on the bottom once it, the pumpkin's established so make sure it's off the ground a little bit and um, your seed germinate it first or soak it for like a couple of days and then as you're um, trying to grow it in like your seed raising mix um, don't overwater the seed because the seed will rot so it's like a fine balance between too much water and not enough water. Um, but if you mess up your first seed, the benefit of starting now is you can just come grab another seed. <laughs> um, yeah, you're more than welcome to. And then um, there's other tips that we have on our social media. So you could like pick off the other plants on the vine and just have one pumpkin on the actual vine. So all the energy and nutrients goes to growing that one pumpkin and just like fertilize I think that's might be the main tip. I don't want to um, presume, but I reckon there's been a few winners there that have invested a fair bit of fertilizer and good soil. You know, everything, anything that grows, it starts from good, healthy soil. So really get your soil right, get it um, full of nutrients. You know, some bit of cow poo, get a you know a bit of a bit of everything. Make sure it's yeah, healthy soil. So what, what, what's new and upcoming uh, for this year's competition? Yeah, so there is one big change, and this is actually the official announcement, um, and it's state versus state, Kununurra versus Catherine. So the Kununurra show, they've challenged us, and they're convinced they can grow a bigger pumpkin than what we can. So we're going to challenge them back and say, righto, let's make it official. So we're launching a... Uh, yeah, Kananara versus Catherine Ag Show Giant Pumpkin Challenge. So that'll be good. Not only do you want to win against the community now, it, you've got the weight of the whole state on your shoulders growing this pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Catherine will do yeah. pretty, pretty well. Oh, I'm confident. I'm batting for Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's Tiffany Davey, who is the show coordinator for the Catherine Show, speaking to Jan Kahoot and giving you a few tips as well. A few very handy tips on how you can potentially become the champion this year of the giant pumpkin competition at the Catherine Show and beat that mob in the Ord Valley along the way. I like it. Uh, that's all we've got time for on today's Country Hour. A reminder to keep your eyes on the NT Road Report because as we've heard on the Country Hour today, it's expected the Vic Highway from Catherine through to Timber Creek will be open this afternoon, which is great news. Enjoy your Friday. Keep it rural.